Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I hope that you're doing so wonderful today, as always. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today. I am so excited for today's guest. If you are not yet following her on Instagram, you need to. Her Instagram handle is Fat Positive Fertility. This person is so wonderful. So today we're having Kula Salmon come on the podcast, and today we're talking all things fertility from a weight-inclusive approach, but more precisely from a fat person's approach. How is the process of getting pregnant and being pregnant as a fat person, and how can our system do better and be better to be safe for all bodies? I am so excited about this episode and so excited that you are here listening as well. Again, if you find this podcast helpful, if if it has been supporting you in any way, I would really appreciate if you took 30 seconds to click on the app and leave me a quick review, a five-star rating, and send it to me over IG. I want to celebrate you and also want to buy you coffee because honestly, it is so helpful for us as we're growing this podcast, as we are growing our reach to get those reviews. It helps us spread the anti-diet messages all across the podcast world, um, which is our goal, right? We want to be able to have this message heard by other people so we can help in uh, taking down the barriers and really, really supporting more people understand this, right? I really believe that when people do the healing work to heal, we help heal others. And that is the whole goal of having this podcast. It's really to help spread this value all over the world. All right. Without any further ado, Nicola is on the podcast today. So Nicola is a fat positive fertility coach and the author of Fat and Fertile, Fertile or Fertile. Oh gosh, my pronunciation. This is going to be a hard podcast. <laughs> Um, but she helps fat folks navigate getting pregnant in a weight obsessed world and advocates for change in how fat people are treated and in their fertility process. So she uses her unique fat positive framework to support folks, folks in finding their own version of health without diets, advocate for their bodies, relearn how to trust their body and believe in their ability to get pregnant. This is such an important conversation, and I hope that you are going to love it. And yeah, let's get into it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. All right. 
I am so excited about today. I've talked about this <laughs> all over the place, but I'm super excited because Nicole is here today to talk to us about fertility and living in different body sizes. I am so excited to have you. Hello, hello. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you today. I like cannot get over your wonderful accent. I feel like I will be listening to the podcast over and over again. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into today's topic, which is a pretty big topic, um, let's talk a little bit about you. What got you to do this work? What is your origin story? Mm, good question. So I'm sure as everybody's story is, it's full of twists and turns, but the big things that really happened that led me to this work are... I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS when I was 16 and told that I would never get pregnant. So I kind of spent my teens, my 20s thinking that I wouldn't become a parent. Um, and also I was in a bigger body. So I'd been dieting for my teen years and my 20s. And that was what I thought was going to be the way that I was going to quote unquote fix myself and get healthy and get pregnant and have you know, the family that I wanted to have. Um, unfortunately, that's not how it went because diets don't work. So I went down the classic pattern of yo-yo dieting through my teens and 20s. Um, and then when I met my husband, when we got married, we decided that we were ready to start trying and I got pregnant and it was super easy. We were super lucky. I was in a bigger body still. I had 100 per day cycles. And it happened for us. And I was like, oh gosh, like I wasn't ready for this. I, I know something's going to go wrong because that's the message that we're told by society. Um, so I was expecting everything to go wrong that could go wrong. Um, I was filled with anxiety throughout my whole pregnancy. I was labeled as high risk because of my body, but nothing happened. Nothing happened at all. It's completely unremarkable. Um, I had my baby and it was when I was coming to get ready for the birth, the big day, that I decided I wanted to have a home birth, a water birth. That was what my birthing choice was. But I was denied it. I was told, no, you can't do that. You're too big. There could be a problem. We can't have that happening. You know, it's bad for the midwives to have to lift you up or something. Um, so I was like, no, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. So I did some digging. I did a lot of research. Um, and I found that actually that people can have water births, that people can have home births. And most importantly, I learned about body autonomy. And I was 29 at the time. And I'd never heard of this concept before that it was my body. And that means I get to choose. So I had a conversation with the head of the midwife department at my hospital. I highlighted all the research. I said, look, this is going to be my choice. And she said, OK, then. So that's the plan was the plan it didn't go to plan as these things can do sometimes but it was such a liberating feeling to actually say no I that's not what I want and I'm not just going to do as I'm told and um, and again that really planted a seed in me of like okay well this was hard but I could do this like you know I can make choices about my health and my well-being um and when am I when my first son was about six months old I just decided that I'd had enough. So I'd had enough of dieting. I'd had enough of trying to lose weight, weighing myself. I was just like, I have a small child. I do not have the energy or the capacity to go through this all again. Like it's not worked. It's not going to work. I'm just, I just had enough. And 
luckily around this time I stumbled into Instagram land and found lots of other fat people and they were just living their lives doing things in their fat bodies and were just happy and I was like oh my gosh like fat people exist and they're happy like what is this crazy thing um and the more and more I learned about fat fat liberation and the anti-diet movement I was just like my mind was blown I couldn't believe that people were doing this and I've been lied to my whole life I felt like I'd been conned out of my you know my teens and 20s because it was just I just yeah I could not believe it um and at this time I was a fertility coach like I trained in science but my my world had led me into fertility coaching and I was like why is nobody talking about this like why why are we not just like in a revolution mode because there is so much diet talk in the fertility world like every clinic is telling people to go on this diet, that diet. And I was like, this is not okay. Like, not only is it not evidence-based, this is harming folks, like actively harming people. And this is not okay. So I just had to start talking about it. And I just haven't stopped talking about it since because the more people that I reach, the more people that I connect with and talk about this stuff with, the the more I realize how deep this anti-fat stigma goes in, in this like kind of reproductive health sector and so many people are harmed and damaged by the systems and the, the the systems we have in place and it's not okay and it's not okay for these people to be denied the opportunity to grow their families just because of their body size first of all thank you so much for sharing and like i'm even like i was super excited to talk about this and now i'm like next level like <laughs> I feel like we're having this conversation because i feel like everybody needs to hear you hear your story but also debunk a lot of the things that we hear around fertility um but thank you so much for sharing your story and like something that you said like I've been conned out of my life like I have heard this too many times like we feel like our life has been like still stolen away from us because we're told this message that like hey you're just like not enough like keep it small play small like just ho- focus all your attention on it and then when you get to this space where you're like wait what the fuck like no I didn't actually need to do any of that like I'm just like mind blown like I think it's so cool that based on like your whole experience that you're now able to be like let's advocate so nobody has to go through that and nobody has to be told something that's not true but also that like could have rest of your life right Mm. like it's it's so damaging so damaging so I'd love for us to talk start talking I guess about like common myths around fertility there are so many we could go so many different directions (laughs) with this question (laughs) But more specifically with people living in larger bodies, like what are myths that we hear and things that we are told um, around fertility? And like, let's so do Yes. So the first one is that you're going to struggle to get pregnant. Like so many folks I know already start thinking about getting pregnant like years before they're ready because they're worried that it's going to be hard for them. And they've got no evidence, but they just told that, you know, folks in bigger bodies struggle to get pregnant. And it's not true. There is no reason to believe that if you're in a bigger body that you are going to have problems getting pregnant or have fertility issues. There was one study that I found that looked into this more depth and it showed that there was a slight increase in the amount of time that it took for fat folks to get pregnant, but it was one month. It was one month. (laughs) No way. So it's like this idea that we have that it's going to take me so much longer and I'm going to have so many more complications and it's going to be so much more difficult. 
complete myth, complete myth. Mm, I feel like we could stop the podcast right now and that would be a wonderful takeaway. (laughs) (laughs) Just that that thought of like your body doesn't need to be smaller for you to be able to be pregnant. And Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. Okay. I love that one. So debunking, you can have a pregnancy at the size that you're at. You don't need Mm -hmm. to lose weight in order to get pregnant. Yeah. Okay. You ready for number two? So there's so many doctors and clinics that say that fat people can't access fertility medications. So things like ovulation induction, which helps folks ovulate or IVF. Um, But actually, when you look at the research, all that's happening is that fat folks need a higher dose of medication, which makes sense, right? Because we give children a smaller dose of medication. So fat people just need more. But what they're doing in these studies, if they're using these studies to say, oh, well, it's less effective for fat people. Oh, it's not as safe for fat people. They have more cycle cancellations. It doesn't work as well. And actually, when they personalize the dose, they give the fat folks who need more, give them more. Results are just the same. Pregnancy rates are just the same. Um, Outcomes are just the same. All the risks that they talk about, complete rubbish. Actually, when you look at things like, so one of the big ones is anesthetic complications. So to go through a round of IVF, you need to have an anesthetic to get the eggs out. Actually, the research shows that there is a tiny, tiny percentage of higher folks having minor complications. But apart from that, all the same. Yet we're using these to deny folks care. We're using these Be My my Barriers to deny people access to growing their families. And it's just not based in any any just like you know acceptable science it's wild it's 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 wild and I'm like I'm gonna ask you a question that may be like super obvious but I feel like people just need to rehear it from someone else as well why do you think there is them that like BMI like mark like people may wonder like hey if there's no evidence like why why would they do that like why is that in place Mm, I mean, there are, I think, a billion reasons. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it stems from this foundational belief that fat people are somehow unhealthy, um, mm-hmm. which is not proved by science. We know that fat folks live longer. There is this whole idea around insurance where, you know, we started labeling people as unhealthy so that we could charge them more for insurance. There is a whole um, racial component where we deem them to be better just because of the racial dynamics Um, and in the UK like we have a free NHS system which is wonderful but they're using the BMI cutoff to it's basically to save money to just so they've decided that this group of people don't deserve to have free funding um, because they're in a bigger body and it's therefore quote unquote their fault or their responsibility so it's cost cost saving measures, but also deeply rooted in like our systems, which are unequal and you know harm the most marginalized folks within our cultures and societies. hundred yeah, percent. I'm so glad that you explained it the way that you do because I feel like when you hear all this information, it's just like, but why? Mm. But like the why is like the root of the issue, right? Like the system of oppression and just like fat phobia in the society that's ingrained and in like all of these yeah everybody everybody uh yes do you have a myth number three i don't know how many you have so oh i could go on forever (laughs) but the main main myth number three is around 
pregnancy risk. So a lot of doctors will say, I, I will not treat you. I will not help you get pregnant because of the risks around pregnancy and the risks around your unborn child. And yes, pregnancy risks are increased. Like the chance of something going wrong is slightly increased for folks in bigger bodies. But what all of the studies fail to do is to recognize and acknowledge the impact of weight stigma, which is the way that fat folks are treated within our health system and weight cycling, which is this up and down, yo-yo dieting, changing of our weight. And both of those things together can completely explain this increase in risk. And when we talk about increase in risk, it is not like, every single fat person will get gestational diabetes. It's a case of it going from about 2% in a quote unquote normal population to around 10% for folks in the highest BMI bracket. So that still means that 90% of folks in the highest BMI bracket won't get gestational diabetes. But the risk isn't talked about in that way. It's like doctors will say, oh, you're definitely gonna get this or you're definitely gonna get that. Or it's five times more likely, which makes it sound like a really big, scary number. but the research does not show that these numbers are big and scary. It shows that, yes, sure, there could be an increase. And mm -hmm. even when you look at all the research together, it's not black and white. There is some research that shows there's a risk, some research that shows there's not a risk, and some research that shows there's a risk, but it's not significant. And we can't take that information and show that there's a causation. We know there's a correlation, sure, but we're not, we can't say there's no mechanism that shows that being in a bigger body, having these extra fat cells is causing pregnancy loss or causing gestational diabetes. It is not that simple. And the problem is that all the scientists that are doing this research, they live in this diet culture suit with the rest of us. Like they have biases, we all have biases, but their biases are really impacting the way that fat people are treated in healthcare and how they're managed through pregnancy. Ugh, yeah. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about like what we can do in terms of the system. Cause I think like the way I see it, and I don't know if that's how you see it too. Like I always see it as like, there's us and then there's the system of like, what can I, me personally as an individual do to empower me to help me and like all of these things and like my own shit that I have in my head, like my own biases and internalized beliefs that I've been told. And then there's like the society of like, we also know that this is not an individual problem it's like really within the society so like within those two parts I think like there's um yeah a lot of play that we can do with with these two um but before we get more into like that piece of access and system I'm curious to know or if we can just kind of like talk about like when you say I, I think you've used this word many times like it is harmful for people living in larger bodies to continuously get this advice recommendation that's not based in science and just yeah, harmful. But can we talk about that? Like, can we talk mm. about the harm and why it's actually a bigger issue? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many ways that fat folks are harmed by this. Like, like we talked about already, that internalized thoughts, those ideas that, you know, I don't deserve to get pregnant or I can't access that care to grow my family. Like these thoughts, these feelings, these beliefs absolutely have a really negative impact on fat folks mental health like we know that there are increases of anxiety and depression with fertility and I don't think anybody's done any research because who cares about fat people's mental health but I'm sure that the incidence of depression and anxiety for those folks navigating this in fat folks is going to be really high because it is a huge detrimental impact on their health 
their mental health and you know mental health and physical health cannot be separated mm-hmm. so therefore yeah. it's going to be impacting their physical health too um and living in a fat body in our culture is traumatic like there is no question about it um having to even think about booking an appointment with a fertility clinic or having to even find a fertility clinic who will support you like these are the kind of things that folks have to do the, the hoops they have to jump through to navigate this fertility space and to find care that they need um and each of those takes an emotional toll like each of those things takes emotional energy time money resources and it's exhausting for these folks to have to try and navigate that space oh 100 percent. yeah so i see it almost like before like preconception like all like you said like all of the thoughts all that they're being told all the research they need to do like trying to just like access care like is super hard and then also like a lot um i know a lot of people that i work with like then they're recommended to diet like oh well just just lose weight before just like try to do that before which we know like dieting and fertility doesn't work well together can we like unpack that a little bit for folks who are like oh but like if i just like lose weight before then i can have a healthy pregnancy mm, i mean yeah there's many layers to this so the first mm-hmm. thing is the kind of idea around dieting preconception so the time before you want to get pregnant there is research to show that if you're dieting whether that's reducing calories or reducing the types of food you're eating that that can be detrimental to 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 not only your health but the health of your unborn baby like if you're restricting seriously restricting food groups and stuff that is going to impact your body and what is available for your baby to then grow and to nurture so we know that that impacts it we know from from examples of like you know the top level athletes who put their bodies under huge amounts of stress and um and kind of calorie restriction and things like that that we know that that impacts our menstrual cycles we know that you know for these olympians like they often don't have menstrual cycles because of the stress that they put their body under to perform at such high levels we know that folks who experience eating disorders will often lose their periods like we know that this impacts mental um our reproductive health but the doctors are just like hey yeah go and go and diet just go and you know do whatever you need to do to lose weight and when people hear that when people hear that okay weight loss is going to be what's going to help me get pregnant of course what you're going to take away from that is I need to do this as fast as possible I need to do this in whatever way is you know you're desperate at this point like you want to grow your family you want to get pregnant so you're going to do whatever it takes even if, even if in the short term for all you can manage before then your biological mechanisms kick in and, and make you then eat. Um, but yeah, so what you're, the choices that you're going to make are going to be dictated by what you feel is going to help you lose the weight in the quickest way. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're in a different mindset of, okay, what I need to do is nourish my body. What I need to do is make sure my body feels safe. What I need to do is make sure my body knows that there is food sources available so I can maintain this pregnancy And I feel safe and secure and, you know, like my body feels like it's going to be able to maintain this, that the decisions you make from a place like that is going to be very different from a place of like, okay, I need to lose weight as fast as physically possible. So it changes your everyday habits. It changes the food you choose, the way that you take care of your body. And often like weight loss and dieting will come from a place of punishment, right? Like, I'm not good enough right now. Therefore, I need to punish myself by doing X, Y, Z in order to to make my body smaller. 
Whereas if we can come from it from a place of, okay, I need to help my body to feel safe, to feel nourished, to feel supported, that is a very different energy and a very different way of treating your body because your body is going to be your baby's first home if it's going to if you're kind of not seeking surrogacy or anything like that and you want that to be a place of love and care and safety for your baby oh, I love the way that you say that like it just feels so gentle like a like warm hug you're like oh, mm. yeah it feels good but yeah like I think it's like it's just like continuing to press the point that like dieting is a threat on our body really our body does not like it does not like the restriction it's hard to create a safe environment when your body doesn't feel safe so restricting dieting is really not supportive in terms of um your body being able to feel safe absolutely right? yeah it's, it's your body doesn't know the difference between a diet and a famine no like you're signaling to your body that there's not enough right and what's your body your kind of basic biological kind of instinct if it's not enough your body's gonna be like okay we need to prioritize now like moving and finding food and foraging that is our priority if there's not enough food it's not about reproduction it's not about rest it's about making sure that there's enough so you can survive the next day but we don't live in that world anymore and our, but our body still doesn't know that so it's yeah it's about finding ways to make your body feel safe Hey, 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 I'm just stopping this podcast episode. My God, first of all, can we just say how amazing Nicola is? This is wonderful. <laughs> um, I hope that you're getting a ton of value from this podcast, but I wanted to pause here and tell you about the Balance Program. If you have heard me talk about the Balance Program before, you know that this program is my signature program. It is my heart and soul. It is the and most amazing thing out there in my own perspective, because I'm very biased about this, but the balance program is here to help you heal your relationship with food in your body. It is a six month high touch program where I support you through the healing process. You have access to the guilt-free eating method, which is a proven system that has now helped over 550 women heal their relationship with food in their body. We go through shifting our mindset to making peace with food, to reconnecting with our body and then living in diet culture and having health and health goals and how that happens and how we can find our own balance. If you are interested in joining this program, if you're interested in working with me and you are ready to feel empowered with food and just regain control, you can join me by, by applying at www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash program and i'll look forward to reading your application and connecting with you all right let's get back to the podcast yeah i i love that so much and then if we think about like so preconceptions like there's a lot of like layers there but also like when someone who's fat living a larger body is pregnant can we talk about the continued harm during that like i have a lot of um a lot of stories <laughs> but i'd love to hear your your um yeah, your experience or your view on this, like when someone in a larger body is pregnant, then does the harm just stop magically or? <laughs> no, I wish. I wish. Um, no, of course, like clinicians have an idea of what they want your body to do during pregnancy. And especially if you're in a bigger body, um, this can lead to, you know, like doctors saying, well, you need to try and lose weight while you're pregnant or you need to try and maintain weight. That's a really common one. And how they expect you to maintain weight when you're growing a human being inside your body 
and your like blood volume doubles and you also have an extra organ is beyond me um Mm. but yeah I mean there comes more struggles with this and the fact that fat people have different different shaped bodies to often pregnant people that we see so you know you you when you see pregnant people portrayed in the media on the news in like movies they've always got this perfect baby bump and that's how a pregnant body looks but that's not the same for fat people so it's it can be a really confusing time when you already have maybe a complicated relationship with your body um and then your body's allowed to change like you, you expect your body to get bigger and that can be really really kind of it can be quite thought bending because like all of a sudden it's okay for your body to get bigger but there's still this idea that my body shouldn't get bigger and it can bring up all kinds of body image issues and like increase the kind of complications you have with your body so and there's no support for things like that there's no care or places that you can go to get help with that so you can it can be quite an isolating time oh yeah a hundred percent and like yeah, I like how you like unpack that as well. And again, I think it comes back to also a recommendation that like someone in a thin body going through that versus someone in a fat body is completely different, but yet not, not guided in science, like at all, right? Like the fact that like your body shouldn't change, like it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. Um, mm-hmm. But like even um, folks that I work with, like they've heard that all of the time or being even more shamed or being told that like, and then wanting to be like the perfect fat pregnant person and doing everything exactly right because if anything were to happen it would be their fault like mm-hmm. just so much pressure and yeah ugh, just so many levels so many levels yeah. that we have to think about um and I just had a thought as you were talking like for someone listening I feel like I know like this is your world so you probably talk about this all the time and it's like super normal but I feel like people in my world may not and I was just thinking about like someone listening being like I have never heard this information before, like how life-changing it can be to hear you speak and hearing like, hey, no matter what size you are, like you you can also be pregnant and you don't need to lose weight and it's not re- reserved for thin bodies. And actually even talking about the evidence, like oh, I just had like a moment yes. of like, wow, how much ease and how much space does that give us to be like, wait, no, I don't need to change to have this. But then also kind of like angers me because I feel like within our medical system, we can blame bodies so fast and give weight loss advice for everything. And we never ask for evidence. We never ask like, Hey, can you show me where you saw that I needed to lose weight to do this? But then you coming on the podcast, like, I love that you're giving me all this evidence, but I'm like, I also feel like it's required because people need to see it when we're saying that being fat is okay. They're like, sure. It's so hard because on the one hand, you're like, I'm a human being, therefore I deserve support and I shouldn't have to back that up with evidence. Yes. But on the other hand, the system that we live in is like the doctor's going to be like, well, I can't do this because of X, Y, Z. So you've got to almost have like, well, here's the receipt. Like, <laughs> this is what you need to see because actually the evidence does not show that. And it's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot of burden. Yes. And it's a burden that people should not have to carry because no. you absolutely deserve to grow your family without this extra energetic load oh a hundred hundred percent and that's why people like you are so freaking wonderful because you're spreading the awareness (laughs) and the word so yay um but let's talk a little bit about what this looks like like um a healthy pregnancy for someone in a larger body so we've talked a little bit about the challenges but let's switch it up a little bit and talk Mm. about like like how it happens like what are the actual facts like how does it look like 
So, I mean, you know, I've had two pregnancies now, completely unremarkable. Nothing happened. I didn't get any complications. My boobs got a bit bigger. My, um, my, my, you know, my tummy got a bit bigger. And I didn't look that much pregnant, more pregnant than I do normally. Like I still think, you know, sometimes when I look at my body, it looks a bit pregnant, even though I'm like, what, six years postpartum at this point. But, you know, like, I think I really want to make it really, really clear that whether you have a healthy pregnancy or whether you experience complications, like none of that is your fault. Like you, the choices that you make, whether that's pre-pregnancy or during your pregnancy does not cause your healthy or, you know, like more complicated pregnancy. Like if you get gestational diabetes, there's ways to manage that and there's ways to support that that don't involve dieting and weight loss. And sometimes they can be a bit more difficult to find, but all bodies experience health complications during pregnancy. Pregnancy is a really risky time to be a person. Um, And all people experience complications, but just because you're in a bigger body, that doesn't mean that they're your fault and it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong and it doesn't mean that you are less worthy of getting support to treat those complications or to have the birth that you want to have or, you know, make the choices that you want to make for your body. So yeah, healthy pregnancy can happen to all bodies, but um, regardless of how your pregnancy looks, like you are totally worthy of support and it is not your fault. I love everything that you said. Um, I think that's so refreshing just to hear, right? It's almost like this whole piece of like, for a while, like maybe weight is this thing that we focus on for value, but then we switch it to health of like, oh, but how healthy can I be? But then we also attach value to that of like, it tells others and myself how good of a person I am. But we were like, wait, can we detach that? Like, no, regardless of outcomes, like just you being you is good and is enough. And I think that's just so cool to just be reminded of that as well. So if we talk a little bit about the system, so we've talked about how weight stigma in our system is an issue it's something that is harmful damaging um especially like access to like fertility treatments and things like that so what advice do you have or what i don't know piece of wisdom you have (laughs) for folks like like me to just like what what can we do within a system like that like how do we learn to manage that and hopefully change it for the better so it becomes a little bit more inclusive Mm, i mean it's from a personal level for folks who are trying to navigate this themselves you must put your own needs first so find a doctor if you're able to so if you can like with your insurance or your geographical area or whatever limitations you have find the best doctor you possibly can so I've started collating a list of fertility clinics on my website that folks have had positive experiences in just so we can start to crowdsource like where you might be able to access better care or more choice or just be able to find someone who's going to support you um and we need to start you know raising that bar like the more I talk about this I'm hoping that the more clinics will see that actually you know like folks in bigger bodies make up a third of the population this is a a very large demographic that they could be serving and that they're missing out on by not supporting these folks Mm -hmm. um so we want to raise that bar we want to give money to the to the clinics that um are being inclusive and supportive and if you're in a smaller body you too can choose a clinic that supports folks in bigger bodies and doesn't have a bmi barrier like let's give money to the people who are you know like showing us the world that we want to see right like let's do that um 
but also on like a bigger, more systemic level, it's about just being able to make the changes you can. Like none of us are necessarily going to be able to like go into Congress or, you know, rally the government and change policy. And, you know, if you've got that skill set, amazing, talk to me and come and find me and we'll see what we can do. But, you know, it all happens with small changes, like having conversations with your doctor, asking them, you know, like asking them for the evidence, making them question things and asking them, like planting those seeds. And even if it never changes your care, you don't know when that seed is going to start to grow and when they might think, oh, well, I've seen this a couple of times now. People have mentioned about the evidence or the science, like, and, and shown me these research papers and, you know, like maybe I need to look a bit more into this and maybe I need to see what's going on a little bit more. So you just don't know how far down the line that might seed might start to grow, but by planting as many of those seeds as you can and you're capable of doing, like that is how hopefully one day we are going to change the system. But if you are going through this right now, do not worry about the system. You must put your own needs first and do whatever you need to do to protect your physical and mental health and get the care that you need. Yeah, a hundred percent. I love that. I love that. Like taking care of you and your own energy first. And then if, and when you are ready or want to, like, those are little things that we can do. Right. And we talk the same thing around just like, not just in the fertility world, but just in general, like those boundaries that we can make and education pieces, like just little things that even like resharing content, like things like that, like people learn. Right. Like, and I think I, I like to believe that most people are good people, like have good intentions. They're just, you know, everybody's kind of grown up in this system. So it's kind of challenging, but um, yeah, I think all of those things that you say is awesome. So I'd love for us to talk to, I'd love for you, not for us. I'd love for you to talk to us about your book, Fat Mm. and Fertile. Can you tell us about it? So it is really a mixture of my own personal experiences and coaching tools that I use with my clients and also some of the research that I found. Um, And I just thought it would be a really helpful way for folks to start to dip their toe into this because there are no books out there for fat people um, who want to get pregnant. The only mention they get is like a paragraph about how important it is for them to lose weight or diet. And I really, really wanted there to be a book for those folks who were going through this and wanted something better than that, wanted to feel heard and to feel listened to and to feel understood. Um, So I hope that that's what the book has done. It's got so many positive messages from people who've said that it's really helped them and supported them. Um, I'm currently starting to kind of rewrite a little bit more, adding more of the research because I wrote it over three years ago now and I have learned so much since then. Um, So I'm trying to update it with more of the research, more of the ideas, um, take out some of the typos because I self-published it myself. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it was better for me. For me, it was better for it to be in the world imperfectly than it was to wait forever for somebody to either pay you know like pay me to publish it or find someone to edit it for me and make enough money to do that so it went out imperfectly and I'm glad it did because I really feel that it has helped a lot of people just starting out and wanting something that's not just lose weight go on a diet to get pregnant I love that and I feel like that work is just so so needed and where can people find it I'll put the link in the show notes too but 
so it's just on Amazon unfortunately I really want I really want it to be available somewhere else but right now logistically it was just easier so any of your Amazon stores wherever you're listening will have it Okay, awesome. We will definitely add that link to show notes because I think it's such a great resource, even like for other healthcare providers. I know we have a few RDs who listen to this podcast as well, um, a few physicians who listen. So it could be a really cool guide, like even to like learn that experience and how it's like and like just continuously educating yourselves of if you are in that role of helping others, like how can you reduce harm in your own practice and all of the good stuff that we can do. Yeah, just being able to read someone else, like that person's perspective on it, like especially if you're in a thinner body, that can be so valuable. I love that so much. Okay, so last question for you before we get into our fun questions. Mm-hmm. So what can we leave the audience with? Maybe someone who's listening to this, living in a larger body who doesn't even know where to start, potentially being recommended to lose weight, all of the things, like where can this person start their own journey? Yeah, so what I would recommend is start by finding someone positive that you can follow, whether that is someone like me who's a coach or an RD or a nutritionist or anybody who is living in a bigger body and owns it. Find someone who you really connect with and relate to, whether they're, you know, fertility, pregnancy or not, just living in a bigger body. And just start to fill your feed with people who are fat and happy. And it starts to open up that possibility of what if, like, what if I could do that? What if actually my weight doesn't have to be a barrier to fertility care or pregnancy care or um, happiness or life or health or money or all these things that we're told that fat people can't have. And I think just starting to open your eyes to a different way of seeing the world can be a really powerful and easy way to get started I love that so much and like everybody please go follow her her show note <laughs> her link everything will be also in the show note. I think it is it fat and fertile, fertile? it's fat positive fertility, fertility. Okay. yeah amazing so it will also be in the show notes so you guys can follow her and I love that like when you allow your brain to start seeing different things <laughs> like although it seems like so small it seems like such a small step it is huge because you're just like allowing yourself to see possibilities and to challenge the narrative that we've been told so I think that's really awesome thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was so great to talk to you and before we get to the fan questions can you tell us a little bit like where can people find you how can they work with you all of the things yes so I mainly hang out on Instagram at Fat Positive Fertility I also have a website, which is nicolasalmon.co.uk. Um, I tend to work with folks in like a one-to-one slash group hybrid because I find community is so important. Um, and I do enrollment on that two times a year. Um, but for folks who maybe don't have as much financial access or want a lower cost option, I also have a private community called the Fat and Fertile Alliance, uh, which starts at $5 a month. And that is just a really awesome space to hang out with other humans who want to grow their families. And I'm in there answering questions, providing resources, basically just creating a really awesome space for you to find other people and navigate this without shame and judgment. So yeah, I'd love you to come and hang out with us. I love that so much. So all of this will also be in the show notes. You guys can go check it out, check her out. She's wonderful. Um, And now let's get to our fun questions. My first favorite question is what is your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food is Yorkshire puddings. 
So I don't know if you have these in the States. So they are, if you imagine like pancake batter and then you put it in the oven and you bake it, it makes this pudding, which we have in our roast meals, which is like our like roast meat and veg and gravy. Oh, it's not a dessert? It's not no. like a dessert. Okay. <laughs> no, it's like a savory. We have it with like savory. So you pour gravy in it and it's the most delicious thing in the world. Um, and it comes from like north of England, Yorkshire, um, which is where I where I grew up. So yeah, it really reminds me of home, and they are the most crunchy, delicious. Mm, if you've not seen one, yeah, it's definitely well worth an experiment in the kitchen. Ooh, I love it, and I love the excitement behind the food and all. Like you guys can see here, but like all the hand gesture that came with it, like we're feeling it. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, it can, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? oh I always wanted to fly I would never I have dreams about flying and I wake up and I'm like oh I really wish that was a real thing but yeah definitely flight flying I love it what is your favorite way to self-care so we've recently moved house and we now live in the middle of the forest and my very favorite thing to do now is to walk like a minute out of my house and I'm in the woods I just go for a little stroll with the trees and hug a tree and just oh it just makes me feel like a human being again it's wonderful I love that so much and so cool you have access to like hugging trees <laughs> so lucky so lucky but yeah it's I beautiful. love that all right and last question for you what does balance mean to you so I like to think of balance more as flow so I really like to think of like things in cycles so for me balance is that like flow of like winter to summer of like hibernation to activity and everything to go like things will be busy then things will be quiet and I just like to think of balance as like the highs and the lows and both of those being normal and okay I love that so much like even when you say flow I'm like oh yes it's gentle and nice being taken away by a lovely light little river and just flowing along I love that. Well, thank you again so much for being on the podcast and just sharing with us your wisdom. I know this is going to be so helpful for all of the listeners. So I really want to thank you for your time and being here. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Wasn't this podcast so awesome? It was so amazing to have her on the podcast. Like literally, I felt like I was like fingerling the whole time. (laughs) I have been following her for years. So it was so cool to be able to connect and talk about this topic and like really see what the issue is right now with our system and how we can support ourselves through it. Like I think, man, so, so important. So I am beyond excited. Um, that she was on the podcast and I hope that you found it helpful on that note my friend you are so wonderful so worthy and I will see you next week